Hey everybody, it's Matty C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It's really great to have you here. On this episode, I sit down with Kevin and Scott Robertson, the father and son duo behind the Vapor Trails out of Aberdeen, Scotland. We break down some stereotypes, gush about Teenage Fan Club. We even take an in-depth look at how what we share with our kids can come back to be a gift in ways we could never have imagined. Let's get into it. Everybody, welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It's your host, Maddie C. I got older since uh, since last week when we had our last quote unquote official episode. I uh, I celebrated my fifty first fifty first my fifty first birthday my fifty first birthday uh, last Thursday, May twenty fifth. Um, I celebrated another uh, trip around the sun. I uh, had a great time. I got together with my wife and my kids and my mom and my sister's family. We had a bunch of dinner and drinks. And on a Saturday, and um, I saw some friends. Um, Sunday, I went down to the Tiger game with some of my very best pals, and uh, even even visited a friend and his wife at a meal. Uh, had a meal at their place after the game. Um, the whole weekend was filled with you know grilled meats and music and baseball and gin and tonics. And I marked another trip, and it it, it was really it was really good. Um, it's it's been a weird weird six months weird couple of years. And I've talked about that a lot and I'm not going to talk about that more today, but it was a, it was a little bit of a moment to sort of feel that we were kind of, kind of, I was kind of coming out of something. I don't, I don't have a lot in the way of wisdom to impart to you after a, a half a century plus one, but I will say that I'm glad to report that I'm, I'm still finding ways consistently to grow and improve as a father, a friend, a musician, a partner, and, and I hope more. And maybe the best way to really celebrate my birthday is by telling you with full sincerity, like true honesty, when I sit here and tell you that I am a better, truer, and healthier version of myself than I was when I turned 50 just a year ago. So much has changed since then, and so much of it has been for the better. And uh, it was nice to have some time to kind of reflect on that this week. And while it's still a weird time, and I've got a lot of kind of strange and scary things happening in my life... Um, it was an especially nice moment of gratitude. And so I was thankful for that. And I was thankful to spend it with people that it means so very, very much to me. So enough self-reflection. Let's get to the show. Um, little self-promo. Stick arounds are back on the road. I will be in Grand Rapids with my boys in the sticks on Saturday, June 3rd. If you are listening to this in a relatively timely fashion, we'll be there on Saturday night. Um, I believe we are the third of fourth bands. Third of fourth God, I really I can't talk today. We are the third of four bands, and uh, it's going to be a great night. The Tip Top is a terrific club, and uh, it's my favorite place to play in Grand Rapids, bar none. I I absolutely love it. The staff is great. The food's really good. The bar staff is is amazing. The 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 the, the tap selection is aces. The sounds really good. It's just a it's a really solid solid room. Um, I also made a big announcement uh, this week on the uh, on the old Substack about the tour. Um, I may have talked about this enough that you actually know that I'm going on a solo tour this summer. I'm going to be in at least ten different states, playing in sixteen different towns, and I still have four of those dates left that I still need to fill, and I really need your help. So here's where I'm going to be, roughly speaking. July 10, I'm looking for something in or around Asheville, North Carolina. July 11, something around Atlanta or Athens, GA. July 13, in the Nashville or Memphis, Tennessee area. And July 15th, I'm trying to find a homeward-bound show after I play in central Kentucky. And so some options on the way home would be Indianapolis, Bloomington or Fort Wayne, Indiana, Columbus and Cleveland, and maybe even Cincinnati, Ohio. Or if you had something in... um, Metro Chicago or something in Louisville, those, those things would all work and I could still get home on Sunday and, um, we could have a blast. So I, I want to thank all of you so much for everything you've already done. Um, I, I put out a special pod 
this week I've I've I've, <laughs> I've I've inundated you with all kinds of stuff and it, part of it is just because that's what's necessary to make this happen but part of it is I'm really excited and I, I really need your help and it's a scary thing like I said and I hope you'll go read that article I hope you'll you'll take a look at what I've got there um, you can go over to the Substack or you can go to Phonophore Records dot com slash shop and you can even buy tickets for the shows that are that are on sale now there are at least 10 of them that are up and another one or two are probably going to go on sale here in the next uh, five to seven days and um you literally by buying some merch and or buying a ticket are helping to make a dream come true for me um and if you want to go find out more about that i encourage you to go read the article that i posted this week take a listen to the special pod that's the episode right before this one where I do an audio version of that essay so you can kind of understand what's at stake, what I'm doing, and and kind of where I'm at and what this whole process is like. And I'm going to be documenting this as this goes along. I actually have kind of a neat um, little side project I'm working on that I'm hoping comes to fruition so that I can really document this well. And I can, I can kind of share this experience with you and be really kind of transparent and honest about what it's like to go through this process, to book these shows, to ask for this kind of help, to go out for nearly three weeks all by myself. I'm a grown man. I don't, I've driven all over the country by myself and I don't have a problem with it. I'm scared shitless to do this. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm going to go out and see people that I like, that I know, that I've met, that I trust, that I want to spend time with and I'm still scared. So, uh, that I, I'm just being honest. I, I want to be honest about this experience. I want to tell you that this is terrifying and it's exhilarating and it's exciting. And I, I'm so happy that I'm doing it, but I'm I'm pretty freaked out. Now, let's get to why you're really here, which is the conversation. So today, let's get into my conversation with the uh, the father-son duo behind the Vapor Trails, Kevin and Scott Robertson from Aberdeen, Scotland. Now, when I was a teenager, I would have told you that my my dream of a trip to England was to play the Royal Albert Hall, the Cavern, or maybe the Hacienda. I envisioned my own version of Live at Leeds, I guess. To my teenage brain, success meant hallowed halls, superstardom, and becoming household names. What I could never have imagined was that more than three decades after I held that calcified belief aloft of what success really looked like, my own dream, my own version of success now, would look a lot more like a two-week house tour of the UK and the chance to hang out with my new friends, the Robertsons in Scotland. And I'd much rather do that than tear around the great halls of Europe. Because it's achievable. And because that's what this is all about. Success neverly, certainly never would have been the first word my teenage self would have used to describe a 50-something-year-old dude like Kevin Robertson and his son putting a band together in a place like Aberdeen. And success never would have been a word I would use to describe a band partially willed into being by that same 20-year-old young man and his wicked, wicked innate talent, and using all of that talent and his connection to his old man to pull Kevin back out into rocking out again for the first time in decades. And yet, what I see this pair of people, when I hear this story, this feels like success to me. It feels like success is the theme of this story, not not in the conventional sense of the word. Kevin and Scott are a father and son who are not just sharing their passion with each other, they are pushing each other as they grow as musicians and songwriters and and singers and players. They love to say that nothing harmonizes like blood, and the the Robertsons are living proof of that. From their original songs in the Vapor Trails to a variety of cover versions that Scott and Kevin regularly share on social media in video form, and even a gorgeous acoustic cover that the pair submitted last year as a part of the Guided by Voices tribute project that I did over at Phonophore Records. That natural harmony and rapport that they have with each other in those videos is on full display here. What's more, the Robertsons were welcoming and wonderfully good-natured as they shared the story of their family. Their family as music and music as their family. And having gotten the chance to know Scott and Kevin a bit better, I was amazed that the work that they have been doing in the Vapor Trails has all happened in just the last five years or so. All while they have held down full-time day jobs, navigated COVID, been involved in their local football scene, and of course managed to find some way to carve out an actual life for themselves as well outside of music. 
It's easy these days to talk about distant fathers, absent parents, and young folks who no longer want to play live music. All of those stereotypes are covered here and obliterated, or at least mildly dented in the chat that follows. I'm so thrilled to have the chance to share the story of the Vapor Trails and this father and son team and their corner of the world up in Scotland. It was even more exciting that after we stopped recording and were just hanging out, I realized I had completely forgotten to talk to two of them about their upcoming gig at the aforementioned Cavern Club. Yeah, they played it last year and they're going to play it again here in a, in a week or so. I quickly hit record again and managed to get them to give us another good stint of real Robertson stuff before they headed off into the Scottish sunset. And so, if you're going to be in Liverpool on June 3rd and 4th, Scott and Kevin's band, The Vapor Trails, are going to be playing a couple of sets. And Scott is going to be playing a couple of solo sets with some help from his dad and a couple of other musician friends. So, if you're on the west coast of England in the first weekend of, of June 2023, swing by the famous Cavern Club and surprise this father and son pair who... I, I just couldn't be happier with getting to know these people and having them genuinely be a part of my life now. And here is proof once again that there are good people doing good things in this world. Doing these things because they have to be done for no other reason than the primal need for them to get it out into the ether. Scott and Kevin's lives are enhanced immeasurably by sharing their musical passion with each other. My ether is better off for the Robertsons having found a spot within it so that I could see it. And after you hear our conversation, I feel, feel pretty certain that your ether will be improved as well. So here we go. Here's my chat with Kevin and Scott Robertson of The Vapor Trails. Scott, what's it like to be in a band with your dad? Pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, we do sometimes get into little quibbles in a practice room. Uh, over um, a... What does that look like when you say quibbles? Oh, just like... Scott complaining. And... <laughs> right, okay, so is it... complaining back to each other, basically. But other than that, I mean... And it's... it's... How many of you are in the band? It's the two of you and then two other, two other people? Is that right? Uh, three. Three. Three, so there's five of you in the band, okay. Yeah. Um, are you harder on each other than you are on the other people in the band? Um, yeah. yeah. But that, I, I feel like that's quite natural. In the, um... Oh, absolutely. That's that's kind of why I asked. I wondered if maybe... Sometimes I wonder if... Uh, like, it's really easy to overcompensate in that direction. I, I wonder if there are people who, like, take their foot off the gas because they're like, no, I'm already going to be a dick to my kid. <laughs> <laughs> See, the, the funny thing is, uh, I think originally it would have been me kind of directing traffic, and but now it's not like that at all. It's Scott can very easily direct traffic in the band, and it's he's just taken on that role of responsibility really well. And sometimes I just say nothing. <laughs> um, how long have the two of you been doing this together? Like at this level. Uh, I think we started writing tunes together six, seven years ago. Six years ago, I think. And yeah. then the band's been on the go about five. I think. Yeah. And so, Scott, when this whole started, so that five or six years ago, you would have been how old? Uh, like 14, maybe. Okay. 14. All right, so you're only, you're 20 now? Uh, sorry, 14 or 15, probably okay. in between. Okay, uh, so you, you're 21. Um, that's still like a 30-year life that you've done this. Yeah, yeah, I know it's ridiculous, isn't it? That's incredible. How early did you start playing? Yeah, I think my dad got me a kind of classical guitar when I was maybe 10 or 11 or something, and I was absolutely god-awful at it. So, everyone's um, everyone's god-awful at it. It's the, yeah, psych it's the psychopaths who think they're good at it when they first start that are, in that are intolerable. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of put it down for a couple of years and then went back to it. So probably about eight, 
Nine, nine say, years. I'd say probably thirteen, maybe. Yeah, 13, years, something like yeah. that. And then at fourteen, he's he's coming down a stair. I mean, at the very beginning, it's the whole thing try to get the rhythm right and right. hear the same chord over and over again. But within like a year, Scott's coming down the stairs playing this charming man by the Smiths. It was very quick. Uh, Scott, to... I'm a f- I'm a recently christened 51-year-old man who has still not completely figured out how to play that song. So, <laughs> fuck, so fuck you. <laughs> um, so, so Kevin, was it like, did somebody hand it to you too? Like, was this a family thing that got handed down to you? How did you get into music? Oh, who? Me? Yeah, you. I, yes, please. Yeah, uh, none, none of my family played music. Okay. I, I probably just listened a lot. Uh, my uncle used to leave records. He worked offshore and used to leave records in the house and listen to like Beach Boys and Paul McCartney and Band on the Run and stuff like that and just got into music that way, just listening. And I, I didn't pick up a guitar till my late teens. So, and that was just because I'd, I'd been singing a bit with some local band that were also pretty terrible, but I just tried, to, I thought maybe I could try and do something different and pick up a guitar and I got it all wrong as well as I was, I was learning Velvet Underground songs and then realizing three years later, I played all the chords wrong, that type of thing, but it was oh, fun. Uh, well, and the, the beautiful thing about that, whether it's like the Velvets or classic country or folk records, like most of those are based in like, you can play those songs knowing two or three chords. <laughs> You know, yeah. and some of them even like if you can find somebody who's like, no, that song is in G and you're like, well, I only know uh, D, E and A. It's <laughs> so, like somebody <laughs> can help you go, OK, just start on the D and then you go from here to here and they teach you like the one, four, five thing. And then yeah. like you can take that and kind of run with it for a while. And then, like, the way I learned was uh, I had this thing called Beatles for Easy Guitar that I finally, like, it broke through when I was, like, in my early 20s. I tried, like, three times, and I just – I never had the patience. And uh, somebody was like, hey, here's all of these songs that you've known since you were able to breathe. And um, if you know major and minor chords, you can play most of them and approximate them well enough that it feels like you're playing these songs. And that was – and that was – for me, that was, like, the Rosetta Stone. That was what got me in because I didn't want to be a shredder. I just wanted to write songs. I just wanted to be Peter Buck. Yeah. Um, so what were you listening to growing up, Kevin? Like what was, like what, when you first had that awakening, what were the records that got you like super stoked? Um, it, my earliest things that I, that I bought, I mean, I, my first record I bought a own was uh, Adamant, what an Adamant record, which is pretty ridiculous in, in a sense, but he's actually a pretty talented guy. But when I was young, that was my first record I bought. But the first ones that really, I really got into was probably the Scottish, this a mixture of stuff between the Scottish pop records, like Arctic Camera and uh, Edwin Collins and things like that. But also the air, embryonic pop stuff, so the early 90s stuff. Yeah. Uh, jungly stuff like Milltown Brothers and The High. and. Uh, I, okay, I'm going to stop you right there because you're the only uh, other person I've ever talked to who ever ever talks about somewhere soon and i think that record is so good and i love it yeah. i still love it 30 some years later it was like i was the only one to go hey our college station played uh box set go twice and like i fell in love with that song and that was all it took yeah and like i've had yeah. that record ever since and nobody knows about that record what a shame no it's a shame it's actually been re uh i think it's been it's certainly been reissued in the uh, I can't remember if it's a different version. I don't think it is. It's just been a, a reissue made of vinyl records and, and stuff. Chris is on. Chris, uh, good one, is on uh, Facebook as well. So he's a nice oh, fellow. Nice. Uh, nice. So. so you got into kind of that sort of like sort of the, the, the prenatal stuff before Blur and Oasis and that yeah. whole thing blew up. Yeah. Um, uh, what were some of those other bands that you were into? Like I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by what a tiny little part of the world Scotland is and how much of my – musical love it occupies <laughs> well scottish scottish music it was always things like well certainly teenage fan club was both of us both scott and i have seen them a few times i've seen them many many times uh they'd be the main band for me scottish wise and bmx bandits and uh the pastels and uh soup dragons oh, i could name quite a lot of i uh 
I'm still, I still feel like there's remarkably consistent work coming out of bands like uh, the clientele, I think do great work. Um, in fact, I'm really excited. I'm thinking about going to Chicago to see them this summer because they never tour the States. We're very, 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 very uh, unfortunate in that regard. But uh, uh, I think that band's great. And then look, I, uh, before one of the members died, I thought Camera Obscure were one of the best bands in Europe. Mm-hmm. I really, I thought they were just great. Um, yeah. So what is the, you guys are in Aberdeen, which is, which is what kind of, what, what is that town like compared to say bigger cities like Glasgow and Edinburgh that people might be more familiar with? Um, are we allowed to swear? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I already, I already said that you could fuck off cause you could play Johnny Marr at 14. Oh, well, so I think, true. I think the, I think the precedent's been established now, but thank, thanks for asking, man. But, um, no, man, I mean, it's got, it, it's, it's its own thing. It's very kind of secular in that there's really, if you want to make it big in Aberdeen, it's like you can play like two types of music. It's like, I don't even know what it would be, like hardcore punk or just like sad indie music. But being big in Aberdeen does not equate to being big anywhere else, unfortunately. So it's one of those things. Is there, but like, is there a vibrant scene? Like, is are there other bands that you can kind of commiserate with and you can play shows with and maybe develop some relationships? Definitely. I mean, um, a couple of the other bands I'm in, um, definitely have those kind of relationships with a few of the younger bands in um, in Aberdeen. But even we've found, um, as a even like a collective sort of thing, you kind of have to play away gigs to be able to just to expose yourself to new fans because to put it simply, I don't really think there's that many venues, avid gig goers, anything like that up here. You kind of have to go more central in well, my opinion. Uh, and I'm, and I'm kind of wondering too, cause this is interesting cause it's not just a, a, a regional thing, but like here I'm seeing, um, you know, friends that I have who have kids that are in high school and they're trying to find other high school kids to be in bands with. No one's in bands. So the fact yeah. that you're in bands and there are younger people in your area feels like maybe it's already a little bit of a step above what's going on here right now. And I hope it's a kind of a blip awesome. on the radar, but have you, have you guys noticed a dip in sort of participation as well? Uh, no, I mean, I've kind of actually noticed a rise. It's probably people. been a rise. I think that's I think amazing. Case, I think in yeah. Scott's case, I mean, I know, I know I was talking about bands like from the Glasgow area, like uh, BMX bandits and, the Pastels and Teenage Fan Club, in the early days, they would play in each other's bands. And kind of Scott is doing that with his friends. I, mm-hmm. I mean, they're probably, he has, he's in two bands who certainly mix and match people within. So they, they're already doing that. And also Scott is in the Vapor Trails and, you know, I'm helping Scott with his IPO set in the cavern. And, you know, Aaron, his flatmate, is helping the vapor trails out. So yeah. we do do that. I mean, it's like... It's a little bit of a... They're, they're respects, their own it's list. a little bit of a repertory vibe, kind of, if you want to put it that yeah. way. Like, there's a yeah. core group of people, and they can kind of bounce in and out and, and be involved without necessarily... Like, you might have some people who don't necessarily want to carry a band and play 20 gigs a year or play 10 gigs a year, but they might want to pop in and out when they can. And it's, it's nice that you can sort of create that environment while still maintaining kind of a level of consistency with each other. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do went a bit harsh on Aberdeen there, to be honest. But what do you what do you uh, mean by what do you mean by harsh, Scott? Um, well, it's probably not fair to write off an entire city as musical. <laughs> I don't. No, no, no. I don't. I don't think you're. I don't think you're writing it off. I think. I think. I think cultural honesty <laughs> is required sometimes. <laughs> you know, like there. Like okay, so I live in Lansing, which is a capital city. There is a major university here, Michigan State University, which I'm sure you've heard of, is here. It's a major research institution. There are like 50,000 undergrad students every single year. This is a shit restaurant town. It's terrible. It's awful. <laughs> it's garbage. It's it's all like chain crap. And then somebody will come in and they'll try something and the community won't support it. And then it goes away. And so like, it's just, it's just this desolate wasteland. So, I, I, but I can also tell you that pound for pound, it's the best music scene in the entire state of Michigan. And that, in, in terms of weight class, absolutely, it's head and shoulders above Detroit in terms of rock and roll right now, in my opinion. Now, I love those bands, but it's not the same scene. 
So, yeah, okay. so that's my long-winded way of saying, feel free to shit on Aberdeen. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say as well, we, with the city, that, I mean, our, I think our big, biggest export, if you like, was Annie Lennox, who was born in, or she was raised in Torrey in Aberdeen, uh, maybe, maybe, so she lived in, lived in Ellen or something like that. Hutchinson. Uh, was it Hutchinson? Street? Yeah, well, okay, I'm sorry. There was a stabbing today. <laughs> or was a stabbing today? Oh, that's so there, what you're saying is there was a stabbing at Annie Lennox's childhood home. It's you heard it here first on what am that's I making cool. with the Roberts with the Robertson <laughs> clan from Northern Scotland. Yeah, I mean was up there you go. Dreams. But what yeah. was good sweet dreams. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, anyway. Wow. So what I was going to say is she never made her name here. She had to move. You know, right. it's the same way anything related. The guy for the shaman, you know, that, that band from the 90s, he lived here and he moved. Even like the Jasmine Minkson bands like that, the gym plays in some of my records, uh, they had to move to do anything in the creation record. So there's nothing that I know of that's major big ever stayed in Aberdeen been big in Aberdeen and remained in Aberdeen. It's not right. to say it won't. But it may happen one day. Um, and and I don't know that it, I guess my thing is like, I don't even know that it, like I don't need, I don't need bands in Lansing, for example, to get big. What I, what I love is that there is this kind of very small, but very kind of plucky, vibrant group of people who are truly rooting for each other. I had a friend who just went to Milwaukee and she said the vibe, it was the first time she'd really spent any time there. And the vibe that she said she got was that Milwaukee was a city that roots for you. And I think that that there's something to be said of, of, I guess I draw a um, kind of a cultural affiliation with Scotland and, and Northern Britain because it feels a lot like the American Midwest to me. It's largely industrial. It's largely overlooked by cities with, more import, more money, and more cachet. Um, and it it kind of gets the short shrift. You know, people love to talk shit about Detroit. And I'm always one to go, okay, A, you don't know what you're talking about. And B, one of the reasons that things from Awesome are Detroit is because they're resilient. And I see that when I look at, like, what you guys are talking about in Aberdeen. And so, in a way, it's it's a little bit like would you say it's a chip on the shoulder? I kind of sometimes feel like I feel that from the standpoint of the Midwest. Like there's a little bit of a chip on the shoulder from the standpoint of like, yeah, we're not from Chicago and we're not from New York and we're not from Boston or LA. We're, we're from, you know, Detroit or Grand Rapids or Columbus. Is that how you sort of see yourselves? Um, I, I'm not really sure to be honest, but I, maybe less from a musical perspective and more just socially like a say. cultural perspective yeah um I, I wouldn't necessarily say that i would want to for example dissociate myself from other english cities musically oh um, sure yeah but i um, think a lot of it is that uh and there i don't know what it's like in england in the states there's an expectation that you have to make it certain places to be accepted so to speak that there is a uh, that there's been a long-standing belief that if you can't make it on the East Coast, that you're not going to make it. You know. Yeah, I I do think Mark that it's not a case of not believing in yourself. If you look, same from a music point of view, it, you can feel that you've got enough talent in a city like Aberdeen, but maybe you feel a little hemmed in because yeah. you don't live in Glasgow or. It feels a little, would you say it feels a little parochial? Not a known musical city in Scotland. Yeah. A known musical city in Scotland is Glasgow. Sure. And if you, if you live here, you probably do feel a little bit like, well, hold on, you know, we can write some good songs, we can do this, that, but you do, you're out of that kind of zone, if you like. It's just one of them things. It's just, I, I love my city. I mean, I, I actually was born in, bred here and and come from a, a, a whole line of families that I, their and ancestors. I, and I think that, and I think that pride of place is super important. Like, I don't think it should be your sort of, you know, foundational definition of yourself, but I, I think to try to, to underplay it or to act like it's not important is sort of short selling your own personal history. At least that, that, that's how I've yeah. come to view it. Yeah. I mean, I think when I was Scott's age, it was really easy for me to go, I just want to get the hell out of here. I just want to be away from this place. And I realize more and more that 
this place is really special. And part of what's special about it is that I invested myself here and I made some tiny little part of this world that means something to me. And that the reason I wanted to talk to you guys is because you're out there on a regular basis doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how much are you playing? How often are you? I mean, you, it seems like you guys are recording often, maybe constantly. Um, yeah, better assumption to be honest. Um, um, so, I mean, that appears to just kind of be an ongoing process. Are you doing that basically like the songs appear and it's like, okay, we're going to record? Um, well, for the Vapor Trail, it's not so much at this moment because we're both doing quite a lot of solo stuff. Okay. Okay. But, and how do, those, how do those decisions get made? How do you determine what's going to be, say, a Vapor Trails thing, a solo thing, or a general Winston thing, or something else? I think generally just with the people you're writing with. Yeah. For me, I mean, if we and are you guys with, are so are you guys typically writing like together? You know, you're not sitting down and writing independently. Um, like for for the best part of the maybe three years with the vapor trails, we were constantly doing that. So it would be I'd come home from work and Scott would be like, I've got about five ideas here or something. <laughs> <laughs> then I'd go hold on a second. I better get move my arse and do a couple of songs so then I do them back and then it would or or we'd just sit and write a song together on a Sunday and we'd done that for like three years and then life changes not Scott made moves to be independent and have his own place and and then moved in with Aaron who's part of the General Winston band so they write songs together but we've kind of agreed now that because we come up with so many ideas if we need songs from the paper trails we've got a back catalogue of stuff we've never recorded or we just take an idea to each other and do this. Yeah. We're releasing an EP just very shortly, and, and three of the songs I think were were written some time ago. You know, so it's it's one of them things. That we do it less now, but we certainly record a lot with solo wise and uh, with 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 Scots writing with with these other guys and these other bands. So and you guys are you guys are doing almost all of this production on a on a DIY level. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way at all. You're doing this all yourselves, yes? Oh, um, yeah. So, in fact, for myself, anyway, kind of progressing more and more towards that. Um, the first couple of things I released by myself were um, exclusively mixed and mastered by other people. And they sounded really good, I thought. Um, but then they were also expensive. So yeah. <laughs> I thought... Let me try and do this. Um, I mean, I love, like, Guided by Voices, Country Teasers, all these lo-fi bands. And um, so I love the sound anyway. So I was like, if, I'm, if I can do it for, like, £500 cheaper, then yeah, absolutely. And, and, and if you're doing it, and I mean, like, you guys are, one of the things I love about what you guys do is you're really great about just going, hey, here's a thing we're doing, and then sharing it. Like, None of the other bullshit. Like, I'm not starting a YouTube channel. I'm not doing all. I'm just. It's just a clip of me and my kid for 45 seconds, doing start again. And or like you did a thing the other day where you had your little uh, your little yellow vest on, and you were doing guitar parts. Like you walked in from work, you did a guitar part, and your dad recorded it and put it up. And I was like, that's that's an amazing little window. And I think that's kind of a nice little bridge to. Um. For me, it's super gratifying to see somebody who's kind of my my same age range and Kevin, who's able to not only do this with his son, but then to do it in a way where you can create it yourself for very little money, share it with the world, and then wind up having a conversation with a stranger five time zones away. Like what? <laughs> an in, like what an yeah. incredible thing, you know? Yeah. And so for all the bullshit that we want to sit here and spout about Spotify and how hard it is to get people to pay attention. It, this would not have been possible five years ago. We just would not have done this. No. Things have led us to this moment. And I guess what I'm saying is I kind of want to lean into being a little more positive about going, okay, there's some amazing shit happening out there. People doing really, really good stuff. I mean, like you, you guys were a part of that GBV thing that I did. And I was really worried when I put that out and I got 27 <laughs> responses back and I went, I can't, there's going to be some of these I can't put out. They're just not going to be that great. And they were all really good. And like everybody has a certain level of expectation and they want it. They want it. They want to hang. And so when you're talking about the two of you kind of pushing each other, I have that with a, a bandmate of mine, the other primary songwriter in the stick arounds. And so 
like watching you guys kind of make each other better almost feels like if you did nothing else, that would be a beautiful contribution to your family and to the world. Oh yeah. I, th- I think so. And uh, right there, it'd be a good time to say that, uh, you know, I wouldn't even bother back, getting back into music because I'd taken a long break from music. But if Scott hadn't wanted to progress and be in bands and stuff, I'd have just sat in my bedroom and played my guitar to no one. And it's probably given me a little bit of inspiration to see some someone younger getting better and better at something. And it helps that he is my son. But, you know, I, I think to see that anyway to, in young people to to get better and better and then get better in you than you are at playing guitar and move on to your own their own stuff like this Scott has. I mean it's that in itself is a really great thing to see. And it's inspired me to do not only Vapor Trail stuff but my own stuff again. And that makes a big difference. You know, it, it goes both ways. That's what I'm trying to say. How long that's incredible. How long had you walked away? Like what was what were you doing musically and then you and then you stopped? What was so what was your early musical period like, Kevin? What did you, what did you do? Well, I played, I, I, to cut a long story short, I played in a band in Aberdeen called Frisbee who, who played around Scotland and stuff, mostly in Aberdeen, uh, released one thing. And literally, we split up after about five years. I stopped playing music altogether. I never played a gig at all from the year 2000 until 2018 when the paper trails in Scott, Scott wanted to put a band together. And like you were speaking about earlier, he, he couldn't find people in his own age at that point to be in a band with. So we kind of formed one together with people I knew. Uh, but 18 years I'd stopped doing it and I, I, I made little demo things. and they weren't fit. The songs were okay, but the, the recordings weren't that great. I learned a lot more over the last five years about the recording side than I ever did. Okay. So, as both as good. as both a musician and a parent, like right now, I'm just kind of like I'm a little gobsmacked. I'm just sort of taking this all in and realizing that <laughs> it would be really easy for somebody to sit here and go, "Okay, here's a guy who has a great relationship with his son, wants to be in a band with him, and says, hey, why don't, why don't you join a band with your dad, and we'll we'll do this.'" And the assumption would be that we would look at this and we would go, "Well, that's how this works." And what you're telling us is that it not only is the exact opposite but that it literally pulled you out of literally giving yeah. up. Well, and so well, I, I, the, the I, simple, and, and, and I don't, you know, I don't ever want to project my own experiences, but like, I, I know for a fact that I'll never do anything as fundamentally meaningful again, as, as being a parent of, of two people. I just, I'll never do anything that ever makes me feel that, that way. And is that important ever. But to have that lead to this reclamation of something that truly is an important part of who you are just feels like such an amazing gift from your son. Yeah, it is a massive, a massive gift. It really is. Not to get over sentimental about it, but (laughs) it's just one of them them things that happen quite naturally as well. It's not like, because I always said uh, in growing up, kids growing up, never press him and push him into your... Your way, Scott's brother was a football guy. He was like, oh, he'd have been, you know, can we go out and play? And you would go out and play play football with with Kevin. I Kevin, little Kevin, he's bigger. Maybe he's bigger than me now. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> we used to play play football. Bigger than me. Play <laughs> play football, and that was his thing. And he wanted to do that. And I know, I think he once said, "Can you teach us a song and a guitar?" And I done it, and he played it actually. But he never picked up a guitar again. And it just was. It just. It just didn't click for him. It didn't think? click for him. It, it, it didn't want. He also didn't want to do that. So I never pushed him. And it's the same with Scott. I mean, he's coming to me all the time and going, you know, look, I want to. I want to do this, or I've learned. I've learned a song, or, and and constantly doing it, and really to the point of annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, it's your passion, isn't it? Um and and. and I just heard somebody talking about this the other day and they said that if you're, if you're going to start something that requires, they were in this case, they were talking about like a YouTube channel or a podcast. But this, this person that I was having a conversation with was like, if you're going to do anything that requires that kind of an investment of time, you, you probably ought to be annoying people from time to time with how much you love it because otherwise you're not going to be able to sustain it. Right. And so if you're brimming with it, even when people don't want to talk about it, 
that probably means that there's enough of it left over for you to do what you want, I guess. Yeah. And I, I sort of found that to be kind of a freeing concept instead of feeling shitty about like, well, this is all I think about. Feel like, well, I've got this extra surplus and I'm basically trying to find ways to house that inventory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially back in, it, in them days and probably it's still the same as we can speak for himself, he's here, but he was the McCartney and the Beatles, you know? <laughs> song here i've got an idea i've got the, okay uh, just, is he is he also i mean you you told the story about playing this charming man at 15 or whatever are are you somebody it just it just comes supernaturally you can play by ear you can kind of figure stuff out are you that fortunate no i i, I do think that before tab and tablature was a big thing i would have been absolutely shit <laughs> no you wouldn't have been like, shit you wouldn't have been able yeah. to replicate other people's work you would have been more creative and yeah, yeah. So that's what i mean in terms of yeah. in terms of learning um learning other people's parts um chords and stuff it's fine but like lead parts i'm just like staring at oh, a blank what? page man it's rough i was gonna say mark what are you like with that stuff because i i look and i, I can work out the simplicity, the simple things on tab and things. But like Scott's coming back with Bert Yanch licks no, and stuff. And I, no. Oh, no, way I'm no I can, I mean, like I, like I said earlier, I when I did this, it was never to learn how to be, I didn't even start calling myself a musician until like four or five years ago. Because <laughs> I think of myself as a guy who writes songs and sings them. I don't think of my, I don't read music. I don't write yeah. music. Um, I don't think of myself as sitting down and trying to replicate what someone else has played. If I play a cover, it is an interpretation. I deliberately want to make it something different. Um, so like I can sit to, to your questions, uh, Kevin, I can sit down and I can like peg out like a little melody line if it's pretty simple. Um, if it's anything more complicated than that, I can probably find my way around it, but I'm never going to play it note for note unless like I spend hours and hours and hours and I'm not the kind of person who's going to do that. Um, so I would rather, like, if I was going to try to do Burt Yanch or when I've tried to play Nick Drake, I would rather learn how to write a song in those alternate tunings mm -hmm. than try to yeah. figure out how to play uh, a 75% as good version of Pink Moon. Because I can go <laughs> listen to perfection on my turntable anytime I want. Yeah. <laughs> and it's never going to be better than that. You know what? I'd, I'd like to be able to, to just do it. It's like somebody said it, like soccer. You'd call it. I remember. Please, can close. we please can we please call it football, please? Right. Because I don't. I I my my, my countrymen are an embarrassment for so many reasons, and this is one of them. <laughs> right, football. Yeah. Uh, do you know? Do you know? Billy Bragg told me one time when I saw him in the early '90s that the reason that you guys call it football is because you play with your feet. <laughs> That's and that case. the game that we refer to as football. He calls it by its proper name, which is tight pants. I tell you, okay. <laughs> um, right. And, Amer and American football is just, uh, that is just a toxic masculinity waiting for a head injury to occur. So let's talk about real football. Well, got nice shoulders, though. What, what I was... <laughs> <laughs> what Chemi I was chemically enhanced, though, they are. <laughs> no pause. Yeah. What, what I was going to say is... Um, Oh, I've lost my train. I thought without a comment, Scott Wilbur. I That's all right. Coaching football, you can do like a million keepy-ups, you know, when you're on your foot. And it's great uh, to do it for your control and stuff, but you never use it in a game. And I find that leading on from the, the, the kind of really hard uh, tab and stuff like that and, and, and just the, the way of playing – it's like that with soloing and stuff like that, guitar solos. It would be great. I would love to be able to play really, really quick and really, and maybe I could use it just now and again. But I'm like you, I'm, I'm, as long as I can write a song and I can get it out there and get my point across, that does me, you know? Exactly. And, and, like and, and, and Scott has a natural talent for that. And I'm very fortunate in that I'm in, a, I'm in two different bands with two different people who are kind of ridiculous sort of not quite savant level talents, but like ridiculously talented, like naturally gifted people. Mm -hmm. And I can go, well, I, no matter how hard I work, I'm never going to use your syntax and your language. And when you work with people long enough, they become part of what you sound like. 
even if it's just your songs and it's a project they're not involved in. So if I'm in a, if I'm in the stick arounds and my, my dear friend Jason is doing all kinds of sweet guitar stuff, I'm probably still going to write for Harbor Coder for myself in a way where I kind of expect that that's going to happen. Like I'm going to leave room for that. You know, so it influences, it influences the choices you make as a songwriter when you have those kind of people in your, in your um, inventory, in your warehouse, so to speak. Um, Do you feel like you're, you're, do you feel like as song as Scott has gotten to be a, a better player and maybe a better arranger and recorder that your your songwriting has changed? And I'll ask Kevin first, and then Scott, I'll ask you. Right. Well, from my own point of view, when I'm doing like solo stuff, what I do know is that, and and I play a, a lot of my guitars, a lot. It's arpeggios and stuff, and just that kind of sweet kind of sound and clean stuff. I'll do that, and I've got this nice structure and whatnot. But I know that if I say to Scott, hey, do you fancy putting a solo on this song? Uh, he's going to do a good one. You know, It's like great to to have people that can just add and enhance that particular song. You've got your song, then you've got even better playing on it as well. You know? And you've got, you've got people, in this case, family, uh, literal family, that you can trust who know what you are looking for and you know what they're going to bring to the table. You, you there's a oh, shared yeah. understanding. And, and he I've, knows. Go ahead. He knows exactly what it's going to sound good. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's like he, he'll, he'll suss out the, the yeah. type of song, the genre, and he'll go, right. That's, that's going to sound great. Yeah. And I, I very, very rarely he puts something back to me. And I think, God, man, that's, that's <laughs> rarely does mean it happens. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so when you, so when the text takes an extra couple hours, Scott, you know that one's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me get used to this a little bit. <laughs> when it starts, when it starts with, well, I really liked the beginning. Dot dot dot. <laughs> I thought I not um, so much. So Scott, how do you feel like how do you feel like your songwriting has changed? And obviously you're kind of still at that that nascent beginning spot, but like you've you've been doing stuff with people who are, you know, you've been doing stuff with your dad and people of your dad's age. Yeah. And then and then you've been doing stuff on your own with friends, and I gotta believe that that informs you in two different ways. And in in some ways that's probably slowly shaping you into something into a different songwriter. Have you have you noticed that at all? Um well to be honest, I go through quite a lot of phases of writing songs. Um, when it'll be kind of two months, I'll be writing for the kind of countryish funky band. I'm in like a year writing like teenage fan club songs, and then go back to like <laughs> like being like King Giz or something. You know what I mean? So it's um. So you you it's... sit down with a purpose to kind of write specifically for a project? Um, no, no, but generally over a kind of prolonged period of time it's the same sort of style that will come out and then there's like a definitive kind of shift um but i would say that at the kind of crux of songwriting that like the art of it i'd say that we're both very similar songwriters um and i think that's like what you were saying like oh i I know what to play on your songs yeah because it's like kind of like I can see myself writing that song. Does right. that make sense? Absolutely. So I, as, in terms of gen, genuine songwriting, I'd say we're very similar. Yeah. Um, in terms of kind of, I don't know, like working with different different styles outside of that. Um, yeah, definitely playing with uh, younger people who are into the same kind of music. It's, it's definitely um, improved. Like and you mentioned him. you mentioned a couple of things. You specifically mentioned King Giz. Um, so for our our uninitiated listeners, um, we'll give me the uh, the King Giz elevator pitch because uh, it's a wild universe that I don't understand well enough to explain. So uh, six dudes, Australian mm-hmm. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Um, more or less prolific currently than Guided by Voices slash Robert Pollard because it's a race. Yes, I think, but they've had like twenty-two albums in like twelve years. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, so it's like Pollard level output. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. Have you have you seen them? I have not, unfortunately. Okay. I only my um, my ago. my oldest daughter is an enormous fan and got to see them once when they were when she was living in Portland, Oregon, and um, she and my younger daughter are going back to Chicago this summer to go see um a couple nights. They're they're doing like a five night stint. They're gonna go to two. Yeah, is that is that like yeah. Red Rock? No, Red Rocks is out near Denver. This is uh, uh, I don't remember I don't remember where this is, but it's a it's a club and they're doing five nights in Chicago. I think it might be at the Riviera, but I don't remember for sure. My uh, my American um, geography is criminal. <laughs> your American geography is criminal. Mm. Um, so we've got we've got the we've got the Eastern Seaboard, and then we've got the the Pacific the Pacific Coast. You, you're familiar with those because that's all anybody talks about. And there's Chicago in the middle. And Denver and Minneapolis are in there somewhere, and that's all you need to know. And then the rest of it is just guns and racism. Florida's down here. Just the middle part. It's just guns and racism. <laughs> There's like a tiny <laughs> little dash of homophobia on the bottom part. Um, uh, all and just so you know, every single one of us is a Christian, and we all go to church twice a week. At least, of course we, of course we all eat haggis for supper, uh, wash down the iron <laughs> brew, have ginger hair, and they wear kilts. Of course, <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, and you all sound like Groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons. <laughs> uh it's i i'm actually i'm actually trying not to speak in my southern drawl right now i'm actually i'm 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 projecting a flat midwestern accent instead of giving you my alabama drawl oh we're, we're doing exactly the same <laughs> <laughs> or, or it would have been or, uh, here we go would have been it, it would have been there uh, like mark how's it gone man uh uh i i will confess Which my my daughter Talk about talk about your children having an effect on you. One of the things that my younger daughter and I share that we love is we absolutely love watching just the darkest, most depressing um, British crime shows <laughs> that, that, that the English just seem destined to make so incredibly well. Like it's just about the most awful, awful shit. But the production value is incredible, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah, she but... and I will watch this, and she's gotten me to the thing where I'm like, now I'm like. I can't watch this without subtitles. I'm missing half the shit. I don't know what's going on. What uh, what shows have you been watching? Oh, uh, specifically the one that we watched recently that we really had to be careful with the dialogue was we had to we had to watch Line of Duty with the uh, oh, oh what well, yeah because Scottish yeah yeah so Martin. and again and again like you get it but like you oh, no. miss you miss the little colloquial phrases or you'll get like yeah. a little like they're. Like, okay, so one of the things that she and I love is James Cromwell. No, that's not his name. Um, what's his name? The guy that plays Martin, the that Martin plays Comston. the what's that? Martin Comston. No, not the guy that plays Steve, the guy that plays the um the boss. Hastings. Oh, Hastings, he's like, yeah. 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 That guy has the best colloquial phrases. The one that I love is uh, I didn't just float down the lagon in a bubble. <laughs> Oh, there's loads as well. There's just loads. loads of them. And I've got a million of these that my granddad who grew up in America and the depression has. But like, I just want to like, I want somebody to have like a YouTube class where I just learn colloquial phrases like that every goddamn day. Yeah. I, yeah. Is that now we're sucking by diesel or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. Now we're sucking diesel. That's what it is. That's the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we've been watching that. And then like, you know, uh, Luther and Wallander and all that stuff. We love, we love those too. Um, but I, we're really kind of we're kind of hoping for one more season of Line of Duty, but I don't know if we're going to get it. Yeah, hopefully. I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest um, Happy Valley. Okay, good. so I have not watched it, but Hannah has, and she loved it. So that and that's uh, that's um, um, oh, what's his name? Grantchester is in that. Uh, what the hell is this? Yeah, I, I got I got old man brain today, Kevin. Just like you, I, I lost it like twice. Um, <laughs> I just got not. I got nothing, man. I just. I'm just looking at people who are older than me in the room and going, "I'm better than you." <laughs> so what's uh, what's next? You guys said you're working on an EP. When's that coming out? No, yeah, we, we're hoping. <laughs> we've got some gig. We've got some gigs coming up, and uh, well, we've got some just shortly. But we've got another few gigs in August, so we're trying to nice get for that sort of thing keith uh future man will do that how did i was just gonna ask how did that happen how did the future man thing happen 
well, uh, I, Scott wasn't on Facebook at this time. I think he'd have still been too young, to be honest with you. Nah, just... You just thought, didn't, thought it was for like old dudes. <laughs> it was for okay, old dudes. did you get? Do you guys watch Ted Lasso? There was a really funny line about Facebook and Ted Lasso a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about putting a p uh, like a press release out on different social media sites, and the woman was like, "Except, isn't Facebook just for like grandmoms and racists at this point?" <laughs> and she's like, "Let's just skip that." One. <laughs> and my and my wife my wife reaches over and pauses the thing, and she's like. That's a very accurate description. <laughs> it's some wonders for us, though. Yeah, uh, well, you know, you know what? To answer the question, uh, I'd put up a couple of demos from SoundCloud, and uh, Keith okay. just got in t- Keith just got in touch, and he says, "If you're looking to self-release something, why don't you just come with us, and I'll do some stuff for you?" So yeah, that's how that came about. That's amazing. And again, like mm-hmm. that connection is a, is. 75 miles down the road from me. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Are you close? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I live about – I mean, I was I was literally just in downtown Detroit on Sunday. We went to – I went uh, – one of my buddies from the Stick Arounds and a couple of dear friends of ours uh, went down to a Detroit Tiger game and had dinner with a friend. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so, so, Scott, you said your, your American geography is for shit. Does that lead me to believe you have not had the pleasure of visiting our fair shores yet? Never, ever, ever. Okay. Um, it is it is absolutely a tremendously beautiful place. Um, don't believe everything that you see in here. Um, <laughs> just because we behave that way publicly doesn't mean we can't behave ourselves in private. <laughs> um, guys, I, you're an inspiration. And I know it sounds really, really corny to say that, but it's true. Like, you're making music with people you love. And you're making each other's lives better by doing it. And that's the kind of shit I want to talk about here. So thanks, thanks for being here to do that. Cool. 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 I really, really appreciate it. Thanks. Okay. We're, we're just going to hop back in and do this. All right. So you're, you guys are going to play the international pop overthrow festival in Liverpool. Scott, can you, can you remind me the name of the fucking venue you guys are going to play? Oh, um, the cavern the cavern Cavern. club i feel like i've heard Uh, about a a band that played there it's been a while but anyway uh you did this last year the vapor trails (laughs) last year that was that was it what was that like actually what what was it like to play the fucking hallowed cavern club oh it was it was brilliant it was obviously a a bucket list thing to do to to play there it's been revamped a little and changed a little but we it was just 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 people there drinking wanting to wanting to watch music which is all you play for isn't it absolutely and they and 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 i don't know what this is like when they have it there but when we we played this in detroit and in chicago the stick rounds got to play this and and people are genuinely there because they love this they they love live music they love this scene they love this kind of music um i'm assuming it's a similar thing in this hallowed sacred space yeah i mean um what i found last year was because it is obviously like the the mecca of the Beatles, everyone there is like well, not everyone, but there's a lot of tourists who are music lovers as well, sure. which I've never experienced before. Like I met a lot of Americans, and I think before last year I'd never met an American. I think so. It's it's like it's a brand new experience. It's yeah. really good. I was going to say, isn't it incredible that not only bands but supporters of music from your country will travel that far yeah. to see the bands, which I think is fantastic. And it's, you know, it's just- even if it's people who are on vacation and they come to England and they want to go and, and they want to take that pilgrimage because those records mm-hmm. m- mean so much to them. And I think for a lot of people, the Beatles are a stand-in, right? So when you go and you do a tour at Abbey Road or you do the Cavern Club or you do a walking tour in Liverpool – it's like you're paying sort of tribute to that whole generation. You're not just mm. paying tribute to the Beatles. It's it's basically saying uh, th- this is my homage to the British invasion. You know, I mean, if I if honestly, if as an American who has long fell in love with British pop music, if I were gonna, if I were going to go to two sites, it's it's totally trite. The two places I would go. Can you guess what they are? They're not they're not Beatles related. Can you can you guess what they might be? Can you give us a clue? Other um, than I can. I can give. I can tell you the two bands if you want. Okay. 
The Kinks and the Smiths. So, Salford Lads Club. Indeed. And I don't know the Kinks one. I don't know the Kinks one. Uh, Waterloo Station. So, it would either be... It, Waterloo Station is the obvious Muswell. answer. The, the other one would be to go to Muswell Hill. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to me, to be very honest with you at this point in my life, that record probably means as much to me as any Beatles record does. No, it doesn't mean that I. It doesn't mean that I like it better. It just. It just means that, the that those Kinks records now are more important to me, simply because yeah. I discovered them as an adult. They didn't get handed to me. I. I yeah. found them. Um, yeah. And and to me, they're the most genuinely British entity in rock music. Yeah, it's got the, all that kind of observational kind of lyrics and. Yeah, it I mean, is. Yeah, it's like the quintessential the blueprint for like. And the horror. man's the man's just a fucking poet. Like it's yeah, ridiculous. It like it seems so. Like you listen to those songs and you go, "Oh, that's a badass rock song." And then you like, like listen to Dead End Street. Listen to the detail. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, a good. pop song, and yeah. he makes it sound like it's goddamn Sinclair Lewis. <laughs> if you, it's um... unbelievable. Have you ever heard the the cover album that me, uh, myself, my dad, and Nick Bertling did of the Kinks? No. Yeah, we, we, I we need to. The yeah, cover that you, you'll get. It's, it's only a digital, okay. digital format, but if you look up uh, Doctor Barnes on YouTube, it's YouTube. Sorry, Bandcamp. You'll either find a Vapor Tail song called Doctor Barnes, or you'll find this record, which is. Nick Bertlin, Scott, and myself doing the whole of uh, Village Green Preservation Society. Oh my God! I need to go find this. <laughs> like, I haven't, I, seriously, I have an appointment at three, and then my four o'clock appointment is to go find this record. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so some of the songs are two of the originals, and others are we've messed around. Oh yeah. Oh wow, that sounds so fun. I, I have this, uh, I have this project that I'm kind of doing right now, where I'm, I've got a friend, <clears throat> I've got two friends, and we've all been going through different varying forms of sort of big changes in our lives. And we're all kind of leaning each other, leaning on each other kind of heavily right now, checking in every day. And we all play music, but we don't all play music in the same band. And so we're kind of looking for a way to sort of do something small together. And one of the ideas that I'm exploring is doing these little three and four cover song EPs that are just for us. And then we put them out into the world and whatever happens happens, but like just the joy of doing that kind of thing. Yeah, is just and what a what a wonderful way to sort of go. Hey, let's spend some time working on this thing for no other reason the fact that we need to spend time with each other. Like this is <laughs> like it's an excuse for me to not have to go. Hey, I know things are really shitty right now. Do you want to hang out? Instead of we take all the bullshit in the baggage and I just go, Hey, why don't you bring a guitar over for a couple of hours? Yeah. And like that 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 immediately sets the scene is we're we're doing something fundamentally good, but you don't have to work at it. You just get to be you. And to yeah. me, that's sort of the pure joy and the magic of music. So you don't necessarily have to verbally communicate yeah. as well. Which no, no. For, for myself, can sometimes like if I'm feeling a bit shit or whatever, that's like. Do you, do you struggle with it, mental? Do you struggle with I mental health stuff? Uh, no, no, no. Okay, good. No, I don't think so. But, good. Um, Although he did tell me that he was, on, he reckoned he was somewhere on the spectrum. Uh, he didn't tell me what uh, spectrum he was. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, I think every, I think everyone who plays music is somewhat on the spectrum. Uh, that's a, obviously. So I, I have a, a guy that I grew up in high school uh, with, and he used to love to say all generalizations are false, including this one. Um, but but you get you get close to the heart of it. I the one thing I will say is there is an avenue of empathy in every good musician I've ever met. There is yeah. there is a piece of them that even if they struggle to be and I've met musicians who are narcissists who were able to access empathy in a way I don't think they would have been able to if they hadn't been a musician or they wouldn't have been a musician if they hadn't been built that way. I don't know which drives which, mm-hmm. but I think I think you're on to something here, Scott. I think that there's this idea that we're, people who have to do this compulsively are wired a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And instead of seeing that as a deficit, see it as a, an attribute, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, I can't wait to see what you guys do next, and I can't wait to talk to you about it when you do. 
Cool, thanks, man. Thanks for being here, fellas. Awesome. And there they go. The charming and wonderful Robertson boys of Aberdeen, Scotland, and of course of the Vapor Trails. Thank you so much to Kevin and Scott for being here. Thank you so much to you for pressing play, for making it a full hour into the show and making it to the end section where I get to tell you that it's really important that you like, rate, and review the pod wherever you get your podcasts. It's amazing what that can do to help us find new listeners. Please make sure you've signed up for your free or even better yet, a paid subscription over at whatamimaking.substack.com. Thank you again to my dear friend David Baldwin for his excellent theme music. But this week, instead of riding out on the crest of the wave that is David's lovely little techno melody, I want to end with something a little different. I want to give you an opportunity to hear two minutes of of acoustic beauty. I'm going to play you out with the Vapor Trails version of 14 Cheerleader Cold Front, originally done by Got It By Voices. This was a song that Kevin and Scott did for a GBV comp that I put out last year on the label. So thanks for being here, my friends. I'm going to send you out with Scott and Kevin and a little bit of GBV to say goodnight, and I'll see you again real soon. of Maddie C. and his ADHD.